You're listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I am your host, Mike Petchy. What's happening? What's new? Come on in. Take a seat. Find a spot, everybody. Filter in. There's plenty of room. I know you're all cramming in today because today's episode's a big one. It's an exciting one. If you cannot tell by the energy in my voice, I just wrapped up a really great fucking interview. Uh, and uh, if you can't tell by the tone of my voice, there are times when I have guests on this show that I form a connection with. It's an early on connection, and it's a strange connection to be formed, one that is done through the internet, microphone to microphone. Uh, I don't turn on the cameras for these things. It's just all about the voice. And, and for some reason, when I'm doing these interviews, without the camera, it opens things up even more. We get deeper. We get lost in our thoughts and we get lost in the romance and the beauty behind what it is that we love, what it is that we're here to talk about. Uh, so get ready because there's been a few of these this season and I'm excited about these episodes because this is why I do this show is to meet people like today's guest and to get access, to get insight uh, like we have on today's episode. And oh my God, the insight that I've gotten today on what it's like to be on a Steven Spielberg set, what it's like to work with the master at blocking the master of movie making, of visual storytelling. And I feel like it is such a blessing. Today's episode is so good. I made, I took down so many notes. I settled a lot of my anxieties, a lot of my fears were sort of addressed on today's episode and i met somebody a truly talented actress a truly talented dancer uh and a really good person someone that was so excited someone that is got this this excitement that is infectious someone that is coming off the high of working on an amazing film of having that experience early on in her career to work with a master to work with somebody who opens themselves up, allows all their collaborators to be a part of the experience and makes them feel safe and secure. I'm really pumped about today's show. I got to sit down and talk with Paloma Garcia Lee. Paloma is in Spielberg's latest film, West Side Story. I don't know if you guys got to see it, I went and saw it in the theater, which is strange for me. You've heard me talk about it before on the show. Musicals really aren't my thing. Okay. There's a handful of musicals that I enjoy. Um, but mostly I always look at musicals as kind of being cheesy, kind of being stuck in the old way of storytelling back in the day where you would go and see a bunch of performers on stage or in the field somewhere. <laughs> and the special effect was expanding on emotion with music, right? I get it. I get it for that time period where, you know, you weren't creating CGI Hulk smashing into CGI Thor. You were actually singing and performing and dancing out the emotions that the characters were feeling. You were flourishing the huge space that everybody existed in, whether it's a theater or an outside performance, and you were pushing your voices out. You were projecting emotions with movement and dance. 
I get it. Um, for me, it's was never really my thing. And for quite some time, it never was really my thing. I always felt like going to a musical was like homework that you had to do for a girlfriend where it's like, ugh, okay, you want to go see a musical, you need someone to go with you. Fine. Um, but once I got over that, and I, I tried to many years ago, um, once I got over that and I started to examine the benefits of it, I started to examine the benefits of stage actors. Things changed a little bit for me. And it helped that I saw movies like Cabaret with Liza Minnelli. That movie's fucking the shit, by the way. Great movie. Um, or if you have seen Chicago, uh, Gene is behind me. You're a big Chicago fan, right? Yeah, you love that one. What is there another musical that you're a big fan of? Yeah, it's tough, right? Yes, The Wizard of Oz is a musical, but I don't like The Wizard of Oz. Ooh, I said that on, on, on the microphone. Yes, I don't like The Wizard of Oz. I don't like that movie. Um, but there's something interesting when musical and musical theater is combined with the visual storytelling medium filmmaking something could be done there that's fascinating and i really haven't seen it done to its fullest extent so when i saw the trailer for west side story it kind of changed things a little bit for me i got very excited because it was loaded with spielberg's blocking it was loaded with his visual storytelling watch the trailer here we'll play it now you can listen to it but watch it right now. Go watch it. You see what I mean? There are moments that are really great. And there are iconic shots in that trailer that stick out, right? So like the two gangs that are approaching each other and the shadows that cross as they go into the warehouse. Yes, it's a beautiful shot. Janos does amazing stuff. Cinematographer, he's great. But it's the shots where the camera's racing against the fence and these young, like, angry almost feral actors are just jumping on that fence and that look in their eyes and that sense of excitement and you're like wow why do i feel something for these people what is what is different about this actor and the actors on that fucking tv show that i was watching last night there's this sense they're projecting out of it's like the energy is starting in their feet and they're pushing it out of their eyeballs as they climb on that fence and it just feels that way 
And Spielberg is accentuating that with his camera movements. This is interesting. And you know how obsessed I am with visual storytelling and with, with telling stories through body language. I mean, I'm deep in that right now with my storyboards and everything that I'm working on. How do I tell the story on screen before anybody says anything? How do I allude to the audience that a character is feeling a certain way without actually having the character have to give me the exposition that they're feeling that way? When I was younger, my dad did this to me. Fuck that. I'd rather see how they're acting because when you're out in real life and you're bumping into strangers and you're standing in line at the post office, you don't have the ability to have them suddenly turn to you and go, hey, I'm this way and I'm angry in line because when I grew up, my mom didn't pay enough fucking attention to me. Only in shitty movies do we get that. Do we get this exposition? I'm more interested in what it feels like to stand in that line and look at a stranger and then try to read them. And then maybe I get to meet them. And how off was my initial read? What does that say about me? Now I'm asking some fucking cool questions, right? Body language. So when I watched it, I went to see it by myself in the theater. And uh, I was excited. It was like going to see like Jaws for me, right? And I know it's not Jaws, right? It's a musical. But I, I was just excited to watch these techniques come to play. And it was loaded with actors that I didn't know. It was loaded with a lot of first timers, a lot of people that I wasn't drawn to initially going like, hey, I know who this person is. I know who that person is. And they're great. They're great. Why was I so drawn to these? Because according to statistics, I got to cast a name on screen to get people to be interested, right? That's what the statistics say. And I get it from marketing. But when I went into the theater, I was just pulled right in instantly, instantly. The movie's gorgeous. The production design is amazing. I mean, they literally recreated New York from that time period in reality. It felt that way. It felt like it was all practical. It really did. I should hunt down the production designer and get him on the show, figure that out. So anyway, enough about West Side Story. One of the cool things about that film is that I got to meet Paloma. We talk about acting. We talk about what it's like to be in a Spielberg film. We talk about the stresses that dancing put on your that, that dancing puts on your body. Uh, we talk about the process that these dancers have to go through. Um, it's like they're they're like fucking marines. It's insane how intense their daily routine is. Um, and we get in deep into what it's like to be an actress that has hasn't done much for TV or film and have this be her really her second biggest thing that's that's happened and have that bar lifted so high that must change everything for her right like immediately she must be getting all the roles she must be getting all the stuff it's interesting stick around we'll get into all that stuff and before we start the show i just want to big send out a big shout out a big thank you to everybody who follows me on instagram to everybody that's been writing to me on instagram giving me feedback on the shows what do you think what do you think of this episode? Send me a note. Uh, is there a guest that you want to have on the show? I'll tell you this, because I've been getting a lot of suggestions for guests. And what helps me get guests on the show, especially if they're a big name, because I have to go through their PR company, um, numbers help. So if you want to suggest a big name to me, suggest a big name, but at the same time, also send a a suggestion to four or five of your friends to listen to the show. 
find the four or five of your friends that you know that love movies, that love barbecue, that love to hear about music, that love passion, and send them a suggestion to listen to the show. The more people I get on per episode listening to it, the more chances I have of booking someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I keep putting his name out there into the ethos because we'll eventually get him on the show. I'm telling you, we'll eventually get him on the show. If we all work together, we'll get him down, we'll sit him down, and we'll ask him the question that everybody wants to know the answer to, what is up with the mini ponies? That's what I want to ask him. First question out of the gate. So if you want to hear that interview, get more people to listen to the show. All right. Without further ado, I'm excited. You guys are going to love this. We go a little long because it's fucking good. Uh, me and Paloma get right into it. So strap yourselves in. And if you're a director, take notes. Read between the lines on this episode. She gives you a lot of good stuff. And I don't even re I don't even think she realized she was giving you good stuff. There's a lot of good stuff in here. Read between the lines. There'll be a few moments where I point it out, but there's a lot of other moments in there. Get ready to take notes. Throw on those noise canceling headphones. Crank them to eleven. Sit back, relax, and join us on the brand new episode of In Love with the Process. Paloma, thanks for being on the show. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I'm sipping a coffee. I'm all set up. I am excited to chat about it. <laughs> I'm sitting here pounding, pounding cold water, trying to get my wheezing into control this morning. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm like an old asthmatic. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, perfect. We got coffee. We got asthma. We're ready to talk about it. Um, <clears throat> let me just say, I, I know I said this off air, but I'm a big fan of the work you did in West Side Story, um, and uh, I'm also going to be really transparent. I've never been uh, a musical fan of, of musical films. There's a handful of films, like you go back and you talk about Cabaret, you talk about Chicago. There are some really great movies that I love that are musicals, but it takes a lot to get me to go into the theater. And what pulled me in was Spielberg, obviously, and his craftsmanship. But then I went and I really fell in love with the old New York that you, that you all created with mm -hmm. the energy that was on screen and uh, the way uh, the characters uh, were given emotion through movement, which I mm -hmm. really loved. So I'm excited to talk about that stuff with you today. I'm so glad. You know, I think it's interesting like just jumping right in about it, I think that's what's so beautiful about this film is I think that a lot of people that maybe wouldn't go see West Side Story, usually that aren't going to go see a musical film, aren't into them. It's this amazing meld where so many people have now been introduced to, you know, 
musical theater done well, storytelling um, expanded through the lens, mm -hmm. truly, you know, because it's like, I don't know if a lot of people would go see West Side Story that was on Broadway right now. They'd be like, I don't know. I don't really like want to go see a Broadway show. I don't want to go see that musical, but I'm a huge fan of Steven Spielberg. So I'm going to go watch this from a cinematography point of view. Mm -hmm. And then we've kind of like duped you. You know what I mean? Like we've kind of like <laughs> tricked people. Yes, into, very much so. <laughs> like, oh, this was really good. Oh, this isn't cheesy. Because I think that's such an assumption, right? Like, yes. oh, musical theater, it's going to be like schmacting. It's going to be... Um, surface level they're not going to go deep and uh i'm just so i'm thrilled to be a part of something i'll say that and especially coming from a massive musical theater background um that has really spanned the gamut of um cheesy pieces to deep pieces on stage <laughs> to be able to now be a part of something um so rich and cinematic um especially with a director like spielberg i think we're expanding the audience and maybe changing people's mind about um you know, maybe next time a musical movie comes out, I think people will think twice now about maybe wanting to go see it and check it out. Well, it, what's what, what's fascinating about it is that I feel like I don't know why it wasn't done earlier, and I guess it really took Spielberg to do it, but it he really sort of changed the format a little bit because when you think about theater and you think about musicals, I mean that was being able to to sing emotion at that time when it was when it was first starting was like the special effect for that time period, you know, where it was instead of, yeah. instead of CGI, they would just sort of like, you know, be walking through the forest, trip over a log and then be able to break into song and talk about yeah. like what that do is doing to them internally, which must've been such an exciting thing back in the early days of stage. And I'm not saying it isn't still, I think there's such a huge love for musicals, but what I loved about what, you guys did with this film is it was like, Hey, this is a movie. This isn't a mm -hmm. stage production. And so, uh, the benefit of making it into a film is that not only do I have amazing actors, not only do we have dance sequences and not only do we have song, but we can supplement all that stuff emotionally with camera movement, with blocking, mm -hmm. with production design. Um, we can spend because it's Spielberg, we can spend more money on recreating, uh, what, New York of that time period felt like practically. Um, and so it was just this wonderful cinematic voyage that uh, felt like the musical aspect of it felt secondary to the actual, you know, the love of the, of the filmmaking process. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And that's the first thing that I say to people, um, especially before it came out, because people, you know, asking so many questions of what is it like, what are we going to see? Um, and, you know, for me calling back to the 61 film, you know, we're also dealing with a, uh, a reimagining here. And like, you know, Spielberg yes. has been very clear that like, we are not doing a remake of the 61 film. We're doing a reimagining of the 57 stage play. So we really wanted it to feel our own. But for me, obviously the reference point has always been, you know, the film for the most part. And the film was very, um, gosh, I mean this in the most loving way possible. Uh, it felt like the stage play. Many moments of it were very flat, yes. um, front presenting um, as if you were sitting in the audience watching a dance number. Yeah. And so when people were coming into this one, I was like, listen, you're not seeing, you're not going to go see a Broadway show. You're going to go watch a Spielberg film Yeah, that just happens to have dance in it, happens to have song in it. And especially when you're dealing with, you know, um, <laughs> like a DP like Janusz and who's putting the camera, like we're doing duets with the, like I danced more with the camera than I did with Mike, my, my partner. You know, it's like, we were dealing with this intimacy with the lens. Um, 
that required, you know, a lot of us coming from the stage, but I, you know, and that pulls to Cindy Tolan who cast us because, you know, Stephen also chose to use, you know, like relative nobodies to Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And he came to the stage to find people who, you know, musical theater is in our blood. Um, but all of us who are actors also looking to expand, uh, especially into film. And so finding this level, can, can he find the actors that can, um, produce that intimacy that aren't schmacting that aren't um you know giving too big of a performance it was just it's such um it's such an undertaking yeah and when i think people really stop and start dissecting all of the components that had to go into place for this to be the success that it is right now um is really kind of astonishing and you're right i think it did take spielberg i think it took a director um of that stature of that renown of that respect um to pull this off yeah. um yeah and to make people be on board <laughs> with it a hundred percent and you know just what, what what you were saying there about the casting it is such a obviously he's a master and he knows what he's doing and it's it was such a wise decision on his part knowing from you know uh fellow director's perspective knowing how much attention he puts into the precision of his blocking into the precision of his mm -hmm. movements uh, it's genius to go and uh, pull from the stage, especially dancers and, and pe like part of what, and forgive me if I get this wrong, but part of what I think stage stuff is, is repetition. And it's the ability to be able to do the same performance over and over again, expand on that performance, hit your marks perfectly and go through this process. And it just, I mean, he has the camera team that is so good at that i mean the key grip and all those folks that are so good at pulling focus and hitting their marks and doing that stuff it only makes sense that he would want to have that in front of the camera in order to pull that dance sequence with the cameraman off you know i do and this um yes one million percent and this is gonna like quickly segue and segue into something that i'm so passionate about sharing right now and sure um and to share, especially with you as a director, it's interesting in this moment. So pulling from the stage, pulling from dancers, I have found in my own personal experience with some of my friends' experience who have um, transitioned from you know stage to screen, mm -hmm. that there is like a real stigma about actors first off coming from the stage about um, you know the type of acting because yeah. you're you're right. It is of course it's different, and I have such deep respect for the differences there. And you are correct. Like we are used to coming from Broadway, we are doing eight shows a week of the same material, sometimes for years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know it's very it's very different. And you're so right. It is repetition. It is um, it is marriage to the material versus you know when you're working on a film, you're gonna you know yeah you're gonna be in that you're gonna live in that scene all day. But mm -hmm. unless you have to do reshoots on that, you are you are in you are immersed you are having a massive like love affair with that scene and then you are saying goodbye to it until <laughs> you know you as the director and the editor find it later in the editing room yeah. but we are you are capturing and moving on capturing and moving on versus like you know on broadway you're like ah yesterday's show wasn't um i did not feel present in that moment tomorrow i'm gonna go into it like this next week i'm gonna go <laughs> next month i'm gonna go into it like this it's crazy um but i'm also finding as a dancer um, and a lot of people actually don't know this about me. I actually graduated from North Carolina School of the Arts um, from their drama department. Oh. So um, I actually went there for acting. Um, and this kind of 13-year foray into dancing on Broadway and musical theater um, has been such a beautiful scenic route. Getting back to actually what my first intention ever was, <laughs> was to act on screen. <laughs> um, yep, yep. 
but there is a stigma that dancers can't act. And like, I just like, it exists. When I tell you to this day, to this moment, to this morning, I am still getting um, like unable to get auditions for things. I am in a Spielberg film in theaters today <laughs> and people are like, yeah, well she, we know she can act or we know she can dance, but can she act? Oh, man. Yeah. But we, you know, we know she has a really big dance background and, you know, she's done Broadway, but uh, you know, does she have uh like how many co-stars has she done? Uh, like just true dis, like there is a, um, it, there's this real stigma about it. And it's interesting yeah. because then you work with someone like Spielberg who pulled out what you just said. There is actually an ability. So any anyone coming from a dance background, first off, dancers are used to acting without words, <laughs> without text, without words. So yeah. you actually might be able to pull out the deepest, you know, those moments between the texts that sometimes are the most difficult can come so innately to a dancer because they've never actually been given text in the first place. Well, and then set. Oh, go ahead. So to jump in here, I completely, yeah. I completely agree with you. And uh, to give you some context, and the, the people listening to the show have heard me talk about a bunch, but deal with it, everybody. Um, <laughs> my film that I did uh, years ago, I actually directed a film in a language I don't speak. So I did a movie in oh. Russian, and I don't speak Russian. And so I had two or three translators on set all the time. And what, what I was doing is I was watching this movie more as a silent film because I knew wow. the most of my audience wouldn't speak Russian either. And I didn't want to make mm -hmm. a movie that was so dependent on subtitles, on the actual subtitles underneath it. And so I was incredibly focused. It was a great exercise. I was incredibly focused on body language and how yes. to actually tell the story with body language, how to hint at the internal thought process of a character with body language. And that's mm -hmm. what I find fascinating about the dance stuff, and especially in this film. And it really was kind of opening my mind to it as a director going, this is fascinating. So if I'm going to do something that requires that insight with, because for me, with my history as a cinematographer, it's all about silhouettes. It's all about the way you mm -hmm. look when you're standing with the sun at your back. And yeah. in that silhouette, you can tell the character just by the, po the posture that they hold, which I think is really fucking cool. And I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just wanted to inject that in there that, yeah, I know what you're saying. And I just had um, actor Bill Heck on the show who also came from stage and he had to sort of fight his way out of the stigma of stage and get himself into TV and all that stuff. And it sucks because our industry likes to, whether you're an actor or a director or anybody with any talent, uh, whatever you do first, whatever they know you for, they like, oh, great. So she's really good at this. But let's put her on the dancing shelf. And when I need yep. stuff, I'll go down the fucking dancing aisle and I'll look for people on the dancing. Oh, wait, she can act too? Well, that's two aisles over. How did she get to get on the shelf for acting? You know what I mean? It's such, yeah. a, it's such a weird thought process. It so is. But you know, you're so correct in this. Well, first off, and we'll jump into that too, then I'm sure you're a fan that we did also not use subtitles in West Side. Yes. But that speaks to when the storytelling so... um. Ooh, I have 8,000 thoughts. First off, so um, my favorite on-camera teacher in New York, Bob Krakauer, he drills home. First off, he's a massive fan of dancers. And like whenever he gets a dancer in his class, literally when you're up in front doing the work, he's like, I'm sorry for anyone who's made you feel like shit because you're a dancer. He's like, you are like God's gift to art. You were like, And he was like, he always talks about dancers. Like you want someone who's going to come in, be on time, 
yep. know all their lines, be able to take the note on a dime, switch, do it, reverse it, flip it, do it on its head, hire a dancer. You know, <laughs> dancers come from like the work is the the work is so demanding. Dancers get paid thirty five cents a year to do Ugh. some of the hardest work out there. There's you know there you can't be late, you can't talk back, you can't do anything. There's so there's actually this um stunning discipline that mm. comes with if you if. And he says when he sees dance on someone's resume, he sees it as such a bonus as we should hire this person because I know the discipline and respect this person's going to walk in the room with. So there's like that in the first moment of it. Secondly, we are in a visual medium. So exactly like what you're saying, you need to be able to tell by a posture, by the look in an eye, by the um, exhale in the chest of what Mm. someone's going through. Mm. And sometimes, you know that that work of course so many actors can pull from that but as a dancer again we are used to having to convey an entire story <laughs> through just our body language through just um the sink in our shoulders through the like crook in our elbow i you can tell that i'm sad <laughs> and having a rough day and like what i'm going through and um i think that's what's so beautiful about foreign films about silent films i think it's magic and especially as a director i'm sure you are used to being in those moments of being like okay in one look i need to see this from you yes or this whole film is going to be in another language and i need a viewer who does not speak russian to be able to sit there and get 90 percent of what's happening here it's you really notice it you really notice it when you're in the edit room and a, a great example of this, uh, we've been doing, so my girlfriend's also a director and, and she does a lot of music videos and she was doing all of B Miller's uh, music videos and, and B is a, she comes from dancing as well. She's, she knows how to dance. She knows how to move. She knows how to perform. And I would spend a lot of time in the edit room sort of uh, putting these things together and I had her on the show and we titled the episode B Miller is an Android because she moved <laughs> perfectly through everything. And you really notice it in between takes and in reversals and stuff where you'll see it with other actors sort of finding their way or really sort of processing like uh, their lines or improving through it. And then, you know, when someone has that, that uh, history of dance movement because every movement is on cue. Every movement is perfect. And so you you start to see it in the coverage. And when you start to cut it together, you go, this fucking person has it in their brain, in their blood. And it's so beautiful to see. It's so inspiring uh, in the edit room. I love it. And what they do, if you put someone like that in a room with other actors, it pulls all the other actors to it, which is nice. Yes. You know? Yes. Well, we are also so used to it's really um I do think and like I won't go off on eight hours of this, but like I think <laughs> there is a magic of people who I think there is something special and hopefully a deeper respect, you know, because a lot of a lot of our famous are a lot of our celebrities do come from the stage, they do come from dance backgrounds, but they have buried it. Yeah. They have literally because you like the transition is so difficult. Like even right now, I've been told multiple times that it's better for me to have nothing on my resume than any of it. I've done six Broadway shows than to have any Broadway show on there. Ugh. Like better to wipe my wipe 13 years of hard work and dedication and all of this um, to walk into. I have a better chance of booking another movie if I do that, mm-hmm. to which I'm now, you know, I'm completely fighting that and being like, fuck you. One of the greatest directors of all time has respect for dancers, saw me. You can call him today and talk to him. And he thinks I'm a great actor, you know, saw all of that in all of us on that set. And so I'm like, I have no time if someone can't have respect for 
the stage or dancers. It's honestly at this point, um, you know, where I'm like, okay, well then I actually don't even think we'd work well together because you actually don't have a baseline respect for a huge chunk of my artists. So like, <laughs> yeah. I don't like, I don't know. That sounds like not a good jive to me, but it is, it's just this, um, there <laughs> like Broadway is so Broadway theater, the stage, it's so scrappy. <laughs> like there is such, you know, we're used to auditioning, like, you know, film and TV, when you're walking in the room one at a time and you have your time slot sure. and you're going to be in there with the casting director, like we're used to auditioning in front of each other. Like talk about like, we're doing scenes in front of each other. We're singing in front of each other. We're dancing in front like the vulnerability. And we're doing all of that to make 35 cents oh a my, year on Broadway to oh just do God. the thing. Oh my God. You know, when you walk onto set, I remember, um, of course I had done a few other things, but I was on most of the season of Fosse Verdon on FX. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, you know, and that was like the first time I was spending months on set. You know, I was recurring. I was like in that world. I was in awe. They were like, all the PAs were laughing at me that I was like, we get fed every day. <laughs> like they were like, what do you mean we get fed every day? And they were like, who's hurt you? Like who hurt you? Who wasn't feeding you? When they were like, can we get you some water? And I'd be like, no, 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 no. I'll go get water on a break. This, that, or the other. And they're like, it's literally my job to go get you water. Like, what do you need? Can I get, and I like, we were, I was so like, <laughs> Oh my God. Thank you so much. You, there's coffee today. Oh my God. There's like coffee in between my work. <laughs> Just like, it's such a, like, cause never ever have I 13 years of not being fed, barely getting breaks, any of those things. So it's just so funny, like coming in now, you know, it's amazing sometimes to walk onto set and you'll see, you know, maybe an actor who's like, no, I need a waffle or I can't work today. And they're like, you know, I don't know my lines. And you're just like, wow, I would be fired. I would have been (laughs) fired. Like get, grab your bag and get out. So anyway, that just like rings back to me about like, I think there's a little magic and a little like, I don't know. I hope any directors listening or I hope that casting and people on the other side of the table continue to like, maybe when they see theater or dance on someone's resume, like maybe just take like an exhale or a beat to think about like, you're actually getting someone in that room who's like really down to work in a really grounded way and has a lot to offer from that background. And, um, you know, not to say you're not going to get those musical theater actors that the choices are too big because they're used to performing for 2000 people Mm -hmm. or those sorts of things. But I will say, you know, take a beat and give them a note and watch, give, give everyone the opportunity coming from the stage, you know, to make the transition to exhale in a room to make the shift together. Because I think there's a little bit of magic that comes (laughs) with these scrappy theater kids making, making this leap. Oh, for sure. (laughs) And we see that. And we see that in this film, you know, oh my God, these performances, like, Ariana DeBose, Mike Feist, like these are people from the stage, you know, full Broadway time who are just giving these exquisite, deep, rich, nuanced, powerful performances. And what I'll say from the inside, you know, of course, Spielberg is um, a master sculptor and, you know, potter in that way. But the work came from his deep innate trust in us. Mm -hmm. Like these were not micromanaged performances. You know, he really let everyone just show up with the gifts that they had and made us feel so safe, so seen, so respected, Mm. like so chosen. Like he would let us do passes at things of being like, like you could say like, Hey, I, I have an idea about something to him. He made it that safe that we were like, (laughs) Hey, what if we try it like this? Can we do a pass like this? Ooh, I'm really feeling like he, and we are, you know, first 51st, 
film debuts in this, you know, we don't know what we're doing, but he let us, you know, we, he let us watch our playback all the time and would like walk through being like, see when your eyes do this, how this makes it like that. Like he would, he was teaching us and allowing us to play and exist. And, um, so cool. Oh my God. So like what a, like when people are like, what on camera class have you taken? I'm literally like, I took Spielberg's on camera oh class because he did make it that way. We would do something and he'd be like, hey, come over here to the monitor. Watch this coverage. See how this works. Now let's go back and try it this way. Like it was so playful oh. and experimental. And he's like, why don't you, you know, we didn't, um, he doesn't like to like over rehearse things and he likes the camera rolling the first time things are ever said. Mm-hmm. Um, so things are like, and he wants you to make a choice. You are trusted. He's like, I trust you like follow your impulses. Let's when we're doing the wide, like go for it. Like, I want to see what you innately feel in this moment. Just saying this to like people who've like never done this before. <laughs> <laughs> but that, but that, that is, I mean, when you're a young director, you're constantly battling that, right? So like when you're green director and you're younger, you're, you're over managing because you're having a lot of trouble trusting. You're having a lot of trouble communicating what it is in your brain. That's the hardest task for us as, as, as filmmakers is how do I get my mouth to translate this thing that is in my brain? Like, how do I get this <laughs> into you? You know, and that always feels like the most difficult thing. And I, as you get older and as you work more and as you see the master's work, which I am completely envious of you seeing him work, which is really cool, um, then you understand that it is about letting go and it is about casting and it is about getting the people around you that you can trust and then just saying, mm-hmm. have fun with it. And I, let me just say to the audience right now, because I know that there may be a bunch of folks that listen and they're like, well, look, I'm not a fan of musicals. When you see the trailer for this movie, when I saw the trailer for it initially and I watched the blocking and there are obviously those iconic shots of <clears throat> the two uh, gangs approaching each other and the shadows that cross from the overhead. Sure, that's a beautiful shot, but I was really attached to like, the camera movements towards the fence and the way that the actors climbed on that fence and the energy that they had when they were on that fence, they felt like rabid little dogs. And I really (sighs) loved that. I really, those little movements, I went, Oh shit. And I knew that this was West side story. I knew it was going to be a musical, but just those things alone had, I went and saw it by myself. I sat in the theater by myself and watched this fucking movie. And I was so excited by it. And so excited about the visuals. And I think, as I ramble here, I think that what we're stumbling on with this episode is very important. And I think a lot of the stuff that you're having trouble with, with casting all falls down on us as filmmakers coming up through a normal system. And our system is like, Hey, I'm going to put together a movie pitch. I'm going to pitch this thing. Uh, I'm going to find all the actors that are on uh, TV shows right now. I'm going to find actors that I have access to from movies that I love. Or I'm going to talk to a casting agent who's going to cast her cattle of uh, actors that fit my budget range. If you can Mm -hmm. think outside of the box, and if you can think this way, and I think it's just about us educating these younger filmmakers to the benefits, like you said before, of stage performers. And and then opening your brain maybe will change this sort of malaise that exists right now. And I'm going to say this. There's this malaise that exists on everything that we're seeing, which is like two characters walk into a warehouse. They stare at each other. They give exposition. 
they just look at each other. We do wide shot over the shoulder, over the shoulder, and then they talk about the one action scene that they could afford at the beginning of the whole piece, and then that's it. And it's so fucking boring. Yeah. It's boring. Yes. Yes. Really, really 100%. And you're so right about thinking outside of the box, thinking outside of the box from the beginning. And like right now, because we're also seeing this influx. I mean, we are in, and this could be a whole separate episode, but we are also seeing an influx. Like, you mean to tell me you'll hire that girl from TikTok, but you're going to shit on a dancer. <laughs> like, what are we like? What you're going to you're going to like. It's just this moment of confusion or, um, you know, and I'm, I'm a massive Andrew Garfield fan, but being like, oh, so, but he can come do a musical, but we can't go do, wait, okay, so all of it's backwards. So just yeah, like, if you yeah. become a movie star, you can go step on a Broadway whenever you want. Yeah. and go do that you can go that way yeah but then the trust the other way is like oh you're coming from the theater like oh i don't know your choices might be too big <laughs> they're being like awesome well his choices might be minuscule can he play to like you know what i mean and he yes i mean i love andrew garfield he can but like then you could sometimes go and see people and being like wow this incredible you know this incredible celebrity this incredible movie star and you're watching them on stage and you're literally sitting in row z in the back that's all you can afford because that ticket was five hundred dollars to go see this massive celebrity and uh -huh. you're literally like i can't even see what you're doing yeah <laughs> i can't see anything and i need a camera on you because you are not meant to be on like you are not also expanding into what it means to be on stage so like this goes both ways everybody and yeah. like that discussion just needs to continue but i so agree tangent i'm so i like go on my little rants but i so agree with the cinematography of this anyone who's like i'm not gonna go see this because i don't like musicals then go to watch janish as yeah. the, you know go watch janish's work go watch mitch dubin on that camera yeah. go watch spielberg's direction like there are so many moments in this there are so many moments between first off between musical numbers that are just cinematic purely beautiful scene work an incredible script adaptation by tony kushner go mm -hmm. listen to that if you want to see like real, like West Side Story initially on stage, I feel, you know, and I have such deep respect for the original, as does everyone who worked on this. Um, you know, it was uh, caricatures. Mm -hmm. It was not characters. It was caricatures of the time. The, um, yeah, daddy-o, <laughs> like words that aren't even words, like just so, you know. Uh, hard to kind of connect with and with this you're seeing these meaningful scenes that scene with riff and tony at the top of the film when they're down in the cellar mm -hmm. and riff is trying to get out of tony like what where is my friend yeah. where is he where like the the urgency in that scene the um <laughs> the lighting the texture the direction the the camera in that is just it is it's a it is like i i mean who am I to say, but I, it's just a masterpiece. If I wasn't in it, I would just be like, wow, this is one of the most visually stunning, you know, how the use of light flare throughout the film and, oh, but yeah. everyone's out here. It's so beautiful. Everyone talking about that, the disturbance, the, we're allowing the cinematography, cinematography to inform that we're in a heightened piece. Um, yeah. we're, you know, letting the music and dance forward the story, but even from a, um, from a dancer's perspective, we will say to you that you don't even see the dance in the film, which is interesting because people are like, wow, there's so much dancing. But for the coverage we get, if you go back and watch Dance at the Gym, it's more tight shots than wide shots. Yeah. You're actually getting this intimacy of the movement, but you're in, you're like in it with us. You're not getting this like wide dance number. Um, yeah. Which I also think is a beautiful choice with that, that we're not just doing, you know, an overhead wide for four minutes of a dance number.
All right. It is time to take a little break and uh, get into it with our sponsors. Uh, Very excited about all of these companies. All of our new sponsors for this season have been great, very supportive of the show, and they wouldn't exist without you guys. Uh, If it wasn't for you guys and girls out there telling your friends about the show, sharing the show, we've had a bump in listeners. Uh, We've done pretty damn well since the pandemic, and it's because you guys love the show. It's because you guys are telling your friends about the show. So I incredibly appreciate it because it enables us to be able to get sponsorships, uh, which help keep the show alive. Because you guys aren't paying for it. Let's be real. (laughs) All right. First up, good friends over at Puget Systems. Now, if you're in the market to buy a new computer... Uh, and you don't want to spend the extra money on the unboxing experience. Uh, you think it's a little ridiculous for how indebted you are to the larger companies. It just seems like you're still paying off your iPhone or some other device. You maybe even still be paying off the computer that you have to get rid of because they've rendered it useless with software updates and all sorts of other stuff. Drove me crazy. I was done with it. So I did the hard work. I looked around for a company that was reliable. I looked around for a company that had great customer service. I looked around for a company that wasn't manufacturing their own hardware. So they're not peddling off shit on me. They're not selling a warehouse full of inventory at me. Uh, And I found this great company, Puget Systems. And you've heard me talk about them on the show prior to this. So you've heard this read quite a few times. One of the things that I haven't gone in depth on is their consultation program. So a lot of folks want to get a Puget Systems and they they live outside the U.S. Well, unfortunately, Puget isn't shipping internationally. And maybe there are a few of you who are like, look, I want to learn how to build my own computer. I want to put it together. But I've been doing a bunch of research and looking at YouTube videos. And most of the stuff I'm looking at just looks like advertisements for whatever graphics card they're selling or whatever sort of stuff they're putting together. Well, you're probably right because most of this stuff is just hidden ads, Right. Head on over to PugetSystems.com and click on their article section, and and I'll go through it with you right now. They talk in depth about their consultation program. So, uh, like I said, if you live outside the country, if you want to build your own machine, and you want a little help, these guys have benchmark test every piece of hardware that comes out. They put it to the test against the hardware that comes out, the software that comes out, um, and so they know their shit. It's pretty crazy. Like, you can actually go on there and see how they put like Adobe uh, After Effects to the test, um, how they put uh, Premiere to the test. It's pretty cool. Um, So let me look here. Hold on a sec. I just had some stupid fucking pop-up show up. Uh, Let's see what's going on. So let's talk about consultation. I'm just going to read some uh, some little uh, notes here from the website. How uncomfortable am I going to be during this consultation? This is funny. I hate sales pressure. I literally hate it. Uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone more opposed to the idea of a sleazy car salesman trying to get a sale at any cost. Uh, The fact that Puget Systems is built from the ground up uh, following a different path is actually the reason why I joined them in the first place, writes this person online. Uh, At the end of the day, uh, we want to earn your business. That's an interesting philosophy. And we we want you to be as excited about that as we are. So when we take on a new customer, it's because we're confident that we can solve the problem for them. How cool is that? Uh, Improve their work. How cool is that? Uh, If we're not confident that our systems would be a good fit for you, we will have no hesitation saying so. 
and recommend a different option. How many companies do you know that'll do that? Let me skip ahead a little bit here. What are discussed during a consultation? Uh, in the main event, what actually gets discussed during a, <clears throat> a consultation? Oh, can you tell I was up all night last night? This one's a bit tricky to answer, only because our consultations are so customer-driven. Often our conversation begins with specific questions a customer may have about a system they're already looking at or how much of an improvement they can expect compared from their own system. From there, we fill in the gaps and let the conversation flow freely. <laughs> this is like having a conversation with your pal who builds computers. Hold on a second. Get this thing out. <coughs> Man, I got attacked last night. Having said that, you can expect us to touch on the following topics. What are you hoping from the what are you hoping for the computer to accomplish? Is there any task or project that you'd like this new computer to handle that you can't do today? Can you imagine if the big companies were asking these questions? Uh, what does your workflow look like? What software packages do you use? And what are the biggest bottlenecks that you run into with your system? What other tools do you use? I.e. cameras, peripherals, plugins, all sorts of stuff. How cool is this? So you can actually reach out to Puget Systems for a consultation. If you're building your own system, they'll help you go through that as well. Go to PugetSystems.com, check it out. Uh, and when you go to buy a Puget System, uh, you can click on their website, click on the software that you use, and they'll suggest a baseline package, but then you go right into a consultation with these folks. So it's worth it. They're not as expensive as the big boys. They're not as cheap as building it on your own, but it comes with all of this support and help, and they stick around. I've had trouble uh, with uh, software upgrades. I've had trouble with a bunch of glitches based upon software changes, and I've reached out to Puget, and they're like, we know, we've been testing this thing. We'll walk you through it. It's like having a pal that builds computers. Let's be real. Head on over to PugetSystems.com and see what it is that I am talking about all the time on this show. Also supporting today's episode are good friends over at Vitafair. Head on over to vitafair.com. That is V-I-D-A-F-A-I-R.com. If you're a content creator, maybe you're creating a web series, maybe you've created a short film, and uh, you're sort of coming to your senses. Maybe you just finished doing your taxes and you looked at what you made this year and you went, man, I need to make some money. I don't know if you guys saw, but a few weeks ago, I did some posts online that talked about uh, putting together an understanding of your value as a filmmaker and as an artist, as a freelancer. Uh, so many of us, when we're younger, have been brainwashed into the fact that we should be working for free, right? That uh, the experience is the payment. And the same sort of brainwashing sort of carries through when it comes to putting your content out there, it is uploaded for free on YouTube, uploaded for free on Vimeo. Well, it's, well YouTube specifically kind of ticks me off, right? That YouTube needs content. They need this stuff there for all their viewers to go and watch. And so then I'm providing them with content for free. Sure, I can monetize it with them. But how much money do you get off of monetization if you're only getting under a thousand views? You don't get anything, right? So how does the independent filmmaker survive? How does the young artist survive? I highly suggest you go check out a company like Vitafair. Now, 
What Vitafair does is it allows filmmakers to control their content's monetization without needing approval of gatekeepers or conglomerates, which I really like. Film, uh, Vitafair lets their filmmakers set their own fee per 24-hour rental. Anything from $0 to $20 is allowed, um, which is pretty awesome. Uh, Vitafair has its own fee per rental stream, uh, but it's purely based on file size, which is really cool. So let me skip ahead here so I get you the numbers. So uh, Vitafair is a one-time fee to upload and host a film for a year. So you only have to pay once to put a film up for a year, and it's only $5.45. So a content creator could literally upload one project and walk away and never pay Vitafair another penny, which is pretty crazy. Um, so they're a really good option for this. They're trying to change the way uh, you have to charge for your stuff. And I think it's because Vitafair understands that if you're a newcomer, um, a lot of folks aren't going to click on your stuff if you're charging 20 bucks, right? And there's a lot to be said about the money that you can make if you're charging like 50 cents, but getting twice, three times, four times, five times the amount of views on it. You could still start to make good cash. So Vitafair puts it into your hands because you understand your followers you understand the people that want to see your movies and you kind of understand what they will pay for it. And if you don't understand, here's my suggestion. Do some posts on your Instagram account, on your social media accounts and ask people, what would you pay to see one of my movies? It's a humbling moment, but get some, get some of that feedback and see what they say. And that'll help you set your price. Remember, it's okay to work for free early on if you're learning something, if you're getting something from being on set and getting something from being around folks. But eventually, eventually you got to make some money, man. So like I said, go check out vitafair.com. Also supporting today's episode, our friends over at Jambox. I'm playing some music from Jambox right now in the background. This is Tonks. This is one of the stems from a track called In the Night, which is really great. And this is what I love about Jambox. It's a royalty-free website, super affordable, and you can find music if you're a content creator. Let's say you're a podcaster. Let's say you're a YouTuber, and you need to find that licensed material that's not going to get your shit yanked down from the internet. And you got to find stuff that's good, that sounds good. Jambox has got some of the best tracks I've ever heard for a licensed music website ever. I'm telling you ever. And uh, I'm a big fan of Tonks, as you can hear. Head on over to Jambox and check out their awesome subscription plans and their awesome music selections. At Jambox, you'll find tracks that range from synthwave to like hip hop to rock, alt rock to fucking opera music. We licensed a bunch of opera music recently for a project that's coming out soon. I never thought I'd be getting high quality opera music off of a music licensing website at the prices that we did. If your content creator, unlimited creator account is only $9.99 a month, there's a 30-day free trial on it. And this lets you do stuff for YouTube, for your personal projects, for web, for streaming, and it gives you full access to all their music, unlimited downloads. Or if you're a commercial director and you need stuff that you can put on like digital ads, weddings, corporate, nonprofit, 
$19.99 a month with a seven-day free trial. Gives you access to their sound effects as well, which I love because I have that account. Or if you're a student, the $6 per month, which gives you access to all music and sound effects and limited downloads to use for your student projects, film festivals, web streaming, social channels, etc. I can't say enough great things about Jambox. I love these guys. And if you're planning a project right now, head on over and check out, browse through their sections. Their browsing is super easy. They lay it out very similar to the way that Spotify is laid out. Um, and I'm telling you, you're going to be inspired. And there's something great about knowing the music that you can get your hands on or being able to download a track and write something for that track or to start editing something to that track. It's really great. Your client's going to love it because the work is going to seem like it costs more money. Uh, people are going to want to pick you up. Like if you're putting together your reels, you're using stuff that sounds like it belongs on Spotify. It isn't just trash tracks that artists are just throwing away. I'm telling you, head on over to Jambox, check it out. Listen to our episode that we did on Jambox. Learn about how they went through the process of curating this website. Can't say enough good things about it. Go to jambox.io right now. It's going to change the way your work looks, sounds, and feels today. I don't know what happened last night. I had like this like cough and slow drip. It's not COVID, so relax. But uh, I was just coughing all fucking night. It's just in there. It's that asthma. <coughs> all right. <clears throat> Let me stop bitching and continue here. Also supporting the show are our friends over at ETC. Uh, I love ETC. I've talked about it before. A lot of the listeners of the show know that I love lighting. Good lighting to me is like a great fucking steak. You know, when you see great lighting and if you're using constant lighting on set, you can walk through it. Maybe you're running a hazer and there's some volumetrics. It's really cool shit. I also recently got to go see Tool. I got to see Tool live. It was like one of the few bands on my list that I had never seen over the years of working in music stores, over the years of uh, going to concerts. And uh, Will got tickets to see Tool. Unfortunately, he couldn't join. So me and Lance went to see Tool, which was awesome. Um, and they put on one hell of a fucking light show. In the entire time I'm watching them with these, these really crazy backlights, I kept thinking of ETC. Because a lot of the fixtures that I knew ETC for in the past were their iconic Source 4 profiles. These are amazing lights. I use them on all our music videos. I use them as backlights. I use them as spotlights. I've been a huge fan of it. Um, but what's exciting about ETC is that they've been working hard in recent years to give us incredible new fixtures, <clears throat> specifically for use with cameras. I got my hands on their FOS for Fresnel, and one of the most eye-catching aspects of this line of fixtures is the way they color mix. Their Luster X8 array includes deep red emitters, which not only open uh, more color mixing options than you'd ever get with traditional fork color studio fixtures, but also lead to richer, more natural beams of light at any color point that you use. So essentially, they're really playing around with the red color. And I, I'm, I don't know if everybody understands how white light is created, but it's the mixing of all these different colors to make white light. 
Um, I did an episode on color science way back in season one. You should go back and check it out. But these guys have the ability to mess with reds, which I've done before. It's really interesting. Uh, they have these in most of their new fixtures, uh, if not all of their new fixtures. Once you check, once you see these fixtures on skin tones for yourself, it is truly surprising how much of a deep impact red makes on any situation on set. If you're not familiar with ETC and all their fixtures, they are backed by 24-7 customer support, which is important to me. Uh, go check out their FOS slash Fresnel and their panel by visiting etcconnect.com backslash love the process. That's etcconnect.com backslash love the process. Uh, and also while you're at it, if you guys are enjoying this episode, maybe you're a newcomer to today's episode and you go through our queue, you're looking at the playlist on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you're like, Jesus, there's almost 200 episodes here. Do I go all the way back to the beginning? How do I know if I'm going to like them all? It seems like Mike goes all over the fucking place with his subject material. Well, if you're, if you're a cranky little person like that, you can head on over to inlovewiththeprocess.com. There, I've done the work for you. I've put them in categories, so you can just check out all the actor episodes, or you can check out all the filmmaker episodes. But more importantly, while you're listening to this show, you can go there on today's show's page and check out all the supplemental material. I put up trailers for movies. I get images from the guests. And when I ask my guests for thumbnails and images for advertising, I try to get stuff off their phones most of the time because I think it's important. Because when you're dealing with a lot of PR companies, they just take these headshots and they send them to every fucking podcast. It's like, what's the difference, right? So I try to sneak around it. So head on over to inlovewiththeprocess.com and check out my sneaky moves. All right, let's get back to the show. <laughs> Well, that just comes down to his experience, and it's it's you've hit it the nail on the head when you say visual storytelling, and we hit that nail all the time on this. I mean, it's a visual fucking medium, and the thing that I love about directing is its perspective. Like you actually have a a person's perspective on what it is that you're seeing, and that's the difference between watching a movie and watching the stage. Is that if you're at at a theater production. That perspective is based upon any person that's sitting in the audience. They will perceive that performance. They'll look at performers wherever they want to look at a performer at any point because there's no control over it. And that's fine. That's mm -hmm. that's great if you want to just go immerse yourself. But when you're talking about a movie, we get to see this movie through Spielberg's eyes. We get to see this movie through <laughs> through the eyes of a of a of a young kid that used to run around with his pals and jump on two by four planks <laughs> and send dirt in the air and and pretend to make World War II movies on like high yes. super eight footage. Like I, I loved that. I I loved the idea of seeing uh, a musical through the eyes of the guy that directed Saving Private Ryan. You know what I mean? So there's something yes. really interesting about that. Uh, and it sounds like we're just selling this movie, <laughs> but more than <laughs> more, more than anything else, it's 
it's a hard thing to find right now as a young filmmaker where the, so many of the young filmmakers are turning to YouTube. They're turning to influencers. They're turning to all these folks that like brag about the fact that they could twist their handheld camera around and push it into a coffee cup and then come out of a coffee cup. None of that shit means anything. Those guys are using these little tricks and techniques, but they're not telling a story with any of these tricks and techniques. And so it's really hard to find filmmakers that are doing it. And you're, you're talking about the Guillermo del Toro's out there. You're talking about the Ridley Scott's that exist still, thank God. And you're talking mm -hmm. about uh, Spielberg. And no matter what movie he makes, whether it's War Horse or whether it's Private Ryan or, uh, you know, uh, E.T., I still fucking put E.T. I'm in the middle of prepping a movie right now, and I watch E.T. for the blocking sequences that happen in the kitchen between the family. And what yeah. each of those camera moves means emotionally to each person that's talking. And so the exciting part about West Side Story is that not only is he doing it, but he has you guys, the dancers, as vessels to be doing it as well with your blocking and with your emotional movements. It, it's just so nice. There, there hits a point where it doesn't feel like when you're watching that movie that someone's just delivering dialogue. It, it never mm -hmm. feels that way. It, it feels like you're just somehow in the middle of this group that is incredibly emotionally charged. I mean, just the just the the potential, like the almost rape scene that happens towards the end of yeah. that movie. God damn it! And you were great. Like that 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 sequence was phenomenal, and the closing of the door, and what that meant, and how with it. Yeah. Spoiler alert, but. <laughs> how those boys were processing their emotions at that moment and how that that processing of emotion turned to an act that was so despicable and, and vicious and it was because they were hurt. It was it, it's yeah. beautiful. And yeah, I think it is um it's such a pivotal, you know, we didn't know exactly, and of course, and you know this, and you know, for those listening, a reminder that like what you see is what's coming out, you know, of the edit. Yeah. Like we we did so much in that scene that is not there, you know, that is, you know, that was really figuring out because again, right, like that is such a pivotal um it's it's so deep that scene. It's all like that is a that's a harder scene than the rumble. Like yeah. that's harder than people getting stabbed. Yeah. We're dealing with, you know, yeah, we're dealing with an almost rape. We're dealing with so many like dynamics in that room, um, such heightened emotions. And it's really the emotional pivot in the film, many people feel that moment where it's really like you <laughs> you bottom out in that film <laughs> or in that moment. Yeah. Where you're like, oh God, like the stakes are so high. And then you come out of that and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And yeah, like the, the, um, those days in that scene were, were heavy. I think we were in that for like four or five days Wow! and that was like, yeah, it was, but again, like you said, it was all about figuring out like the, the, the emotional rev, the emotional charge, the blocking, the why, the how, the, the tone, the pace you can't, you know, that can't rev up too quickly or too slowly. It was like all of those things, but just what a, um, what a masterclass. Like I just keep coming back to in my brain, like really we were flying by the seat of our pants every, I mean, but every day we we're dealing with multiple things. We're dealing with a director who has wanted to make West side story since he was a child mm -hmm. and you know, has, this has been on his desk for decades <laughs> and he finally feels at the point in his career and his life 
like, you know, Kate, his wife was like, no, you need to do this. Like he was scared to do this. <laughs> and then he took the rent, which is hilarious, right? We're talking about like, how, what do you mean you're going to wait? Like you're, you could do anything you want, yeah. but he has such respect for it. And he's been wanting to do it for so long, but a musical is a new undertaking for him. Yeah. So, but there was a way that he showed up. I say that to share that there was a way that he showed up on set every day, like giddy. Mm. giddy mm. of the work and he would walk in scared every day but like he even says like if you watch any interview or documentary like if he's not scared then like something's wrong like yeah. if he's not if there's not high stakes in the art then there isn't the proper respect there that day so he would walk in just bursting at the seams to get to work and to experiment never a micromanage never anything it would be the like huddle with the group being like here's what we're here's what you know Let's go for this today. Let's stay open. Let's remain curious. Let's, you know, not let our egos get in the way. Let's work. Let's yeah. discover. And you're like, wow, <laughs> when someone starts a day and leads from that perspective, especially with a group so like, you're like, you want me to jump off this building, Steven? Okay, here I go. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'll, whatever. Yeah. So like everyone was so willing, but then you're able to get these like <laughs> this raw this rawness. It's why I'm such a fan of Rachel as Maria in the film. Yes. Like she truly like, like 16, 17 years old, (laughs) never done anything (laughs) true. You know what I mean? And like only like she's, there was such a purity and a rawness about her because she truly was. It's not like she's acting that way. Yeah. She just was a completely untouched little being that had no other she's not gonna be there and be like, Ooh, my character wouldn't. Well, I just don't feel <laughs> well, I didn't have green M and M's in my trailer. Sure. She's like, I'm just here to work and do with wide eyes. And like, oh my God, it was just um oh, so those cool. days with him. And he just like for a fair amount of the time, of course, not every day, but we could, um, we could go and observe that days that we weren't shooting. He pretty much made it, um, a very open set to us. Mm -hmm. So there were days where I would literally go out to set, sit in the tent with him, (laughs) literally sitting right off of his shoulder, his shoulder, Tony Kushner's shoulder, Justin Peck's shoulder, and just exist there for an entire day. And, you know, of course, like when they're in the work, they're in the work, but how many times he would look over and like, we'd be watching on the monitor and he'd be like, see how he did this. I'm going to go give this note and let's see what that does. What do you mean you're letting me in on your process of what we're thinking about what you're doing? So cool. Like he gave us just a gift. Oh, so cool. I'm and, uh, like, I'm, yeah. I'm completely envious. Let me just say that completely envious of that experience that you've had. And I've had that experience a couple of times with directors and it's invaluable because uh, what yeah. happens with a lot of directors is that directors sometimes feel a little bit of, I don't know, they feel a little weird when there's another director kicking around. So it, I know that there's a lot of directors right now that are listening that are just glued to their headphones. Let me ask you some questions. Let me ask you some questions because you were in the tent with him. Um, did <laughs> Did he show up with like uh, storyboards or shot lists? Did he have it all planned out or was he uh, more go with the flow with the whole thing? Uh, he had lots of, yes, storyboards for sure. Yeah. Um, and there are some beautiful ones actually in the book that they've put out. Um, and there were some sequences where he would roll us through, like come over on the iPad and like show us the storyboard of what things were. But within that world, he didn't want us to feel constricted by it. Mm-hmm. So it was never like, I'm expecting this verbatim um from you but he would come in with you know he'd come in with a sketch or an idea sometimes we would like huddle up and again right like i'm in 
I'm in three big sequences of the film, but, you know, was able to witness so many of these other ones kind of do like a huddle up and a line through because Mm -hmm. for a lot of us, um, you know, like the big five had scripts to take home, but the rest of us didn't even have scripts to take home because he didn't want us rehearsing lines. He didn't want us rehearsing anything. He didn't want, he wanted presence. He wanted on the day we'll figure this out together. So like you kind of do a huddle up and do like a line through of things, but not putting any acting on it. Like absolutely not. We're just hearing the words, hearing the words. He would listen to the words, kind of close his eyes, be there present with us, um, lightly block a thing and then dive into it. Um, But Mm -hmm. then what's amazing about him being in the tent. So you're dealing with him, but then you're also dealing with his um, family (laughs) that can read his mind. You know, Mitch Dubin on the camera can read his mind because he's been with him since what Schindler's list since, you know, like the dawn of time with him. (laughs) And so you're also dealing with a team that is so connected into his veins, his thought process um, that they are, there's all these guides around you as an, my experience of watching and being an actor on his set is like, you just have like your little spirit guides all over the place Mm. that are like, holding your hand and guiding you through moments. Cause they also know what he wants. Janusz knows, you know, you're getting like a lesson and like, here's your light, do this, that, the other from Janusz. And then you have Steven in your other ear and Mitch saying, I need you to stand up slower at this moment. Yeah. And so you're kind of having this, um, the, the whole, you're having the whole team guide you through so cool. on it while also not affecting you at all. If so that makes cool. sense. Yeah, it's like, so you're cool. literally like bowling balls, like down <laughs> into it. Oh man. In the sense of envy, like the pure happy envy that I have just the, the, the years of building that. And that is the dream of every director that is listening to the show right now. That is the dream to build a team like that and to have that scenario. And I I'm asking you these questions because when I was on, uh, I, I got to hang out with the Farley brothers on two of their movies and when I was on those Amazing. sets, yeah, fucking crazy. And so when I was when, when I was on those sets, it was nice to see these uh, directors that had won all these awards and made all these great movies um, also go through the same shit that I go through. And so, like, mm. one of the hardest things I think from a director standpoint, especially when you're younger, is the first day, the first take, the first time you hear the lines on screen. The first time you see something that maybe you have been sitting around for months and sitting at your desk and storyboarding these images and watching them play out. And I remember the first movie that I did and I watched that and I went, oh, this is shit. Like the first time I saw saw a take and I went, oh, this is fucking shit. And then I look around and I see like the entire crew who all register that this is shit. And I go, fuck. And then then I just go like, oh God. And so then what you're doing is you're processing all that insecurity where you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. And and, and because of the arrogance and the the notion that I had that I, as an inexperienced director sitting at home, storyboarding things that I knew all the fucking answers because I don't. And so then you... (laughs) You you would just have that experience where you go, oh, and for years, it took me forever to sort of process that because it still happens. It still happens when I direct now. Yeah. Like the first thing that you do sucks. It always does because you're just trying to figure yeah. it out. There's so many different elements and it's nice to see it uh, when it happens to the larger folks. And, and also, it's nice to see how they handle it and how with experience, they just sort of brush it off and go, well, this is part of the process. All right. 
all right, let's, yeah. let's make this happen. And what if we try this? And what if we try that? And that stress relief where you're like, I'm not a fucking dictator and I'm not a genius. I hate the word genius when it comes to directors because mm. I don't believe in it. Um, and it, it's just nice. Did you see stuff like that with him? <laughs> well, yeah, but it's like, but again, but what the biggest thing you see with him is like, God forbid we remain artists that aren't entirely, you know what I mean? That there's, mm -hmm. um, especially in filmmaking, I find um, the stakes are really high. There's a lot of, every minute is money, <laughs> yep. you know, and you can't get away from that in a way that, again, coming from the theater where you rehearse for four to six weeks and every day, like you'll come in the next day and a whole thing will be cut and you're, you're playing, 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 discovering, 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 yeah. um, you know, being on set, I find doesn't quite, you don't have that luxury because like, you can't just like dick around for a day <laughs> and be like, ah, oh, we'll just, uh, yeah, everyone's here. We're spending a million dollars and like, whatever, if we don't get it, we don't get it. You know, it's like, it's not that vibe. Yeah. But with him, there was a, um, there was like a exhale. Like it's funny that my body just even did that. There was a like, let's try and see. There was a curiosity in the art. There was a like, well, that didn't work. Let's try this. There was a, let's get 18 options of this one thing because like, this is fun. I'm having fun. Let's just keep having fun in this moment. So like, cool. especially in, um, in dance at the gym, we were in that sequence. I don't know how long that is on screen we felt for over a week hmm. over a week of 12 hour days in that dance alone hmm. and so you know so much of that and i mean first off talk about exhaustion talk about um our bodies were broken <laughs> um, filming the the dance sequences and that but it was just so much he'd be like let's try this transition into it let's try that let's go back and do this let's do this let's play let's play let's play and he'd be like "Ooh, that one didn't work Ooh, this worked oh i love that let's now do a whole flip around let's change the room and now completely focus on this moment i just discovered there was so much curiosity and he was able to it felt like let go Anytime something like wasn't working mm -hmm. there, I never felt a sense of he was so married to it that it was like, we had to get that thing that he saw in his brain. There was a, um, Oh, well that's not working. Okay. Let's try something else. Let's try something else. So, um, but again, right. Like what a luxury. Yeah. Yeah. What a luxury that is. Like, I don't yeah. think that's just like, you know, I think that's an earned thing. And when in, in his documentaries and stuff, when you hear about when he was younger, uh, you know, I'm not sure that that does exist until yeah. there is really a sense of comfortability uh, with your budget, with your crew, with yeah. Yeah. Um, the the whole thing around you. Well, sure. It also helps that he like, you know, established the blockbuster. <laughs> so there's a, there's, there's, a, <laughs> there's a bit of that that's in there where it's like, hey, if it wasn't for me and Lucas, then you wouldn't have blockbusters. And you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. I yes. I get yeah. It. And also he um, was cutting together as we shot too. So yeah. like, you know, by the end, like, Sometimes we would, especially when you're in the same, you know, that dance at the gym, we're in the gym all week. So sometimes we would go back to sections. Like we went back, like two days later, we went back mm -hmm. to something Smart. because in in the edit that he was already cutting together, he's like, mm, I want to go get five more options yeah. of this other thing, or I need more coverage of this, which was cool. Um, but yeah, of course, I mean, there's so much experimenting, but again, like you said, it's like how, the how of it all. But he, um, there's an incredible, uh, you know, quote that he read to us on the first day of rehearsal that actually I'm pulling up right now. Cause I would love to share it with you. Oh, please. Um, that was just really beautiful. Um, while you're, uh, if you let me know if yeah, you find ahead. it, you know, if you, if it's right there, then go for it. I was going to help. I was going to help stall you for time. <laughs> 
Oh no, I do. Um, it's just, it's like actually hilarious. I'm like, I know exactly where it is on my phone. I was like, it's like right in the favorites folder. Um, <laughs> so he read this, it's called the blessing of your work by John O'Donohue. Okay. And like, this is like, you know, he like, like the circle up, this was the like prayer <laughs> of mm-hmm. like what this work is going to be. May the light of your soul guide you. May the light of your soul bless the work you do with the secret love and warmth of your heart. May you see in what you do the beauty of your own soul. May the sacredness of your work bring healing, light, and renewal to those who work with you and to those who see and receive your work. Mm. May your work never weary you. May it release within you wellsprings of replenishment, inspiration, and excitement. May you be present in what you do. May you never become lost in the bland absences. May the day never burden you. May dawn find you awake and alert, approaching your new day with dreams, possibilities, and promises. May evening find you gracious and fulfilled. May you go into the night blessed, sheltered, and protected. May your soul calm, console, and renew you. That is how he tipped off our process of making this film. Wow. Wow. Jesus. And And there was a respect... It's, you know, you know, what's fucked up about it. I'll, I'll segue into what's fucked up about how great that is. It's like, and you're, you're hearing your human, you hear, especially Mike Feist talk about this a lot right now. Where do we go from here? This was our first film. <laughs> this is my first movie ever. <laughs> this is my first experience. So like, I'm now being like, wow, <laughs> every set I'm going to walk onto and being like, what's the really inspiring poem you're about to read the entire room. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like, are you going to treat us with the utmost respect? Anything we ever like, we, we, we were kind of like, Oh, this would be fun to document this um, experience for ourselves. Steven brought on photo booths to set the next day. We yeah. were like, this would be fun to have like jackets. We had custom bombers made oh, like, so for, cool. you know, like he just, he wanted us to have the best time because yeah. he was so excited. Cause this was like his, passion project yeah but it's like it was um it's kind of like wrecked us all we're like in a beautiful artistic way you know and not in being like well spielberg said well spielberg said but i'm like i know what it is now i know what it is to feel so seen to feel so respected Mm -hmm. by to have someone walk in and be like may the work nourish you Mm -hmm. may it fulfill your days may you exhaust yourself in the glorious pursuit of your art today with me let me hold your hand the whole way (laughs) and so like i don't i mean my manager even sometimes he's like well paloma like we have to like (laughs) (laughs) lower the bar and that's like so sad to hear because like i'm like yeah the bar is like all the way up but like how amazing and i'm like wow yeah again what a luxury Mm -hmm. what a luxury he has to be able to cultivate and create that environment for everyone around him Mm -hmm. but then you know then you run into these and of course ego of course right the psychology of people not being this way Mm -hmm. but then you're like you know so and so director you're like why are you being a dick like, why are you being such a dick? Like, stop it. I know. I know. And and you know what's great? Hold on. Let me let me address to the audience that's sitting with us here and having this conversation and just go take some notes. And let me just sort of distill this. You are listening to an actress that is infatuated with a director, and she just gave you all the reasons why. So take notes of this. It is like whether I have to point this out because I know some of you just may be lost in the moment. Maybe you don't know how to read between the lines. 
but all the answers are there. I'm taking <laughs> fucking notes right now. Like all the answers are there. And and for you, I would say that yes, of course, you know, you're stepping down like you're you're getting out of the Spielberg limo and you're going back to the used car lot. <laughs> like I get it. <laughs> but um, you know, it's about I think it's just about chasing passion. And I think that mm. You know, I, I consider myself a passionate director. I've been told that I'm a passionate director. I'm not reading uh, poems when I start my sets, but I'm completely immersed in it. I think really it just comes down to finding those folks that have the ability to inspire you through their, through their passion. And I think the one thing that kills ego is passion and passion and research and preparation. I think kill the the dangers and the ugliness of ego because most of the time ego is just there to protect the lack of fucking uh you know preparation the lack of ability totally. to communicate that's what fucking ego is I know what I'm doing you don't know what you're fucking you know what I mean that whole thing <laughs> Yeah you know? yes and you're and you're so right about passion with that and you know my my commitment to myself, which is very interesting because now of course I have been, but it's not like I'm being picky and choosy. I literally wish my manager was on this with us right now because he just has to hear about this like all the time <laughs> from me. But like I, I turn, I will go do a film for free today. Like literally if I love the script, if I feel seen, if I, if I am passionate about it, if I'm curious about it, it's nothing about like, well, now I only want to do major blockbusters with major directors. It's not that. But it's exactly like you're saying, like, I do have a bit of a filter now of being like, I hear X, Y, and Z set on this procedural is, you know, mm -hmm. really rough mm -hmm. and not a fun environment to work in. I do feel like I would rather stay home today and cult continue to cultivate my life and remain available for opportunities that are driven by passion yeah, and are driven by love and my commitment from what I've learned. Because I can only write like... I actually can't have expectations on anyone else. I can only really show up and control me yeah. is what I learned on that set. You will, you, anyone out there who will encounter me will encounter a curious, kind, uh, open, receptive, ego checking, prepared, dynamic actress on set because of what I learned you know, our firsts are so important. And sometimes a first is so terrible in life that we have, you know, mm -hmm. or it's, but it's so it's informative. And I will say I will for the rest of my fucking life, <laughs> be able to carry with me that this was my first. And I will take the lessons I took notes. Oh my God, all of us on set every day, every single one of us, like sponges, we were just sitting there trying to absorb the moment to witness to learn i would go home and journal just like i would like pour out pages at the end of the night just being like then this happened and this is what i felt and then this is what i saw observe 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 smart and com committed to myself that you will watch an actress walk onto set from here on forth for the rest of my career informed by that kindness curiosity generosity preparedness professionalism so cool. respect so cool man that's wonderful to hear and I mean, talk about yeah. a, talk about a sales pitch. Like it's the ultimate sales pitch. <laughs> um, but yeah, man. Like, ah, oh, this has been okay. So how how are you doing on time? Are you okay on time? Can we still go? Or what, what, what's your schedule look like right now? 
I'm wonderful. And I'm sorry that I'm the most like talk about passion. Like I, I knew it's funny. I knew we were going to have a great discussion just from like, <laughs> just from what I had read about you before coming on here. I was like, I know we are about to like go in about art. Okay, good. Well, if you're good on time, then we'll go longer because I am loving this. Everything about this has been amazing. And I think that the people yeah, listening yeah, to this show yeah. and to the people listening to the show, uh, you're fucking welcome that I don't charge you for this shit. <laughs> like, it's really good. Uh, <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, so let's change gears a bit because I don't want this. To, um, it's not all about Spielberg. We also want to talk about you, right? So let's talk because you, you made an interesting point when you said that uh, he would be inspired and so that you guys would have to like go back to sequences and flop things around and that you'd be physically exhausted. At this point, I feel like you guys, you must train like fucking Marines at a certain point. How do you you keep your bodies uh, at that physical awareness, like at that physical ability to be able to, to like go, Hey, guess what? Uh, Hour 10 and a half and the grips are already dragging their asses around and like it's sucking Mm -hmm. down coffees and you're like, okay, cool. I gotta go do some flips and some fucking, you know, like how do you keep yourself in that position? You know, I think it's it's a multitude of things, and I must give a massive shout out right now. Someone who is not getting enough coverage at all is Justin Peck, our choreographer, mm-hmm. and who Stephen adores. And Justin was such a part of the process in every scene and every moment. Like Stephen truly viewed him as like such a co collaborator in every moment of it. Mm-hmm. But Justin, coming from the ballet world and coming. Um, coming from New York City Ballet. So there's a deep respect for what we were doing with our bodies across the board. So we had a full-time physical therapist on set with us. And so in between takes, you know, we're getting body work done. Um, Ice, if we ever need it, sent home with Epsom salts, like anything we needed. There was such a deep, and again, from Justin to Steven and Steven's commitment to, um, he was in, Steven was in awe. Like if you like watch pictures of him from set, he was just like in awe of what we were all doing every day. <laughs> He's like, how are you doing this with your body? So he made sure that we had everything we needed, um, to stay intact. That said, everything needed on that schedule is still, um, you're still playing catch up. You're never ahead of it. Like you're still always broken trying to tape yourself back together for the next day, but at least they were providing tape for us (laughs) with it. But like, um, (laughs) so we, but we also would start every day coming from, you know, we're down, we started every day with company class. Ansel, everybody, ballet class, 9am. Really? That's that's where you're and before but even um on shooting days we would be we would have a full group warm up together. Six AM doesn't matter. As soon and you as soon as you're out of hair and makeup, whatever, before you're in that costume, before you're rolling up to set, you are they ensured that we had warm up time together, led class, led wow. ballet class. Wow. Um and it was not only a great way, you know, talk about like theater company, like downtown theater company. Um like first off, talk about a way for a group of us to um bond yeah. and come together, right? Like that's a great way to start the work. Here we are. Okay. Everyone take an exhale. Here's the family, but also just to ensure that our bodies were ready to be able to hold up for something. And, um, God. yeah, so it was kind of like that, but we're also coming from, you know, the stage where we're doing eight shows a week, most of us. And, you know, at the time I was actually in a Broadway show while I was filming, which was madness. I had just <laughs> opened Moulin Rouge on Broadway. And literally if I was not on set filming, I was on Broadway doing a show. So like I had no rest that summer was actual insanity for me i had like just come out of fossey verdon then slammed into dual rehearsals for west side and moulin rouge on broadway oh and then God. managed both for three and a half months like i was 
broken. <laughs> um, just desperately trying to keep up with myself. But even like Mike and I filming dance at the gym, like I threw his back out like at the top of that week with some of the partnering stuff that we were doing. Like we were in shambles <laughs> for it. And I think it's just like, there's some love of it. Like, I don't know why I'm, I'm like smiling. There's some love of like, the suffering for the work. And then also like the group <laughs> suffering yeah. bonds you in a way that is like going to war together. Yeah. You're like, Oh my God, your leg is broken. My leg is broken. Let's do this dance. And like, God. like, I don't know. I get, get through it together. Well, you just don't, <laughs> I never think about that. You don't think about the fact that you guys have to do, you know, ballet class to get warmed up. You don't think about the fact that you're breaking, <laughs> you're breaking your body to do sequences. Yeah. It's, I mean, at that yeah. po- at that but point, from the director's standpoint too, like, you know what I mean, like because you know how a day is structured. Yeah, like you know, like you're there at your your call time is five a.m. You're in, you know, hair and makeup for X amount of time. You know how much time it takes already to get the day started, and how that like can we just get on set and get rolling? Like that is already every day, like yeah, a a, a, a hard thing. So then for them to prioritize, we're going to ensure everyone has at least thirty to forty five minutes of warm up time also. in there to like make sure the bodies are prepped and you know coming back from lunch making sure that we are all re-warmed up to get into the work um and you know but he would always be clear Stephen would always be clear with us on what sort of coverage we were getting you know and the our choreographer of being like okay you know we're really focusing today like i remember when we were doing the dance duets in dance at the gym. And it's like, you know, we're really focusing on Anita and Bernardo's coverage. So it's not like, you know, it's film. So it's not like we can mark, it's not like we can be, you know, not on, but we don't have to be annihilating ourselves. Sure. 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 Yeah. Um, I mean, the good director is really good on pacing. Yeah. The good directors do that. Like even with performances where it's like, this is a wide shot. So save it. (laughs) Like, yeah, but LOL to us because none of us had ever done anything before. So we did not know that. And like, they had to have like a talk (laughs) with us about that. Like we would blow it on the wide all the time. We would be like balls (laughs) to the wall on the wide. (laughs) And and then be like, just shit for the rest of the day. Like, what do you like? It was just such a, such a learning curve in how to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Just make sure your silhouette looks good, but Hey, tone it all down. <laughs> you don't actually yeah, have to, you don't really. have to cry out there. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, but that, that's just, you know, working with a director that knows working with someone that understands. And it's, it's fascinating when you talk like my, my anxiety levels were going up when you're talking about just, you know, coming back from lunch, <sighs> not doing movies with dance sequences and dancers and people that need to take ballet classes in the beginning just to get your crew stimulated. And then uh, yeah. I, I said, I've said this before on the show, but it's so wild. The structure that I consistently see on sets where you come in, everybody shows up, everybody's drinking coffee. Everybody's talking about what they went through the night before. And then they have to get warmed up. The first shot of the day is shit. The second shot's a little bit better. Then there's the third shot, which is fantastic. And everybody watches the third shot. They start to celebrate, high five, and then it's fucking lunchtime. <laughs> and then, it, then everybody goes and they eat lunch, and then they get fat, and they just feel gross. And then the first shot after lunch sucks, and you have to send someone out to get coffees, and then coffees show up. And so it's like you have like these little nuggets of time during the day where I find – and I'm not working on a Spielberg schedule. I'm working on like an indie schedule where you find the magic, which is like this little cluster of time in the morning and a little cluster in time in the afternoon. 
And so to like add a dance class to that, my anxiety levels just yeah. went through the roof. A hundred percent. But also like what I'll say, and again, this is like we experienced, and I mean, Stephen did say that at one, we had multiple rap parties, but like at one of them, he was like, what we all just experienced was very singular. Yeah. And that was deeply echoed by, um, you know, the few, <laughs> the few people who've done multiple, like Rita Moreno was like, I've never been on a set like this. <laughs> She's like ever in my career where she was like, everyone, like the crew was so, everyone was so like, this was like a passion project. This was literally like, I don't know, like a bunch of like high school kids putting on their like total passion project. And so the crew, everyone was so like, there was never a slug to get the day going ever. And I do, you know, again, I have, I have little experience since I'm more new to this world, but like I do from Fosse Verdon that also dealt with dance. Yeah. Um, you know, and I have such respect for all the directors I worked with on that series and, um, those act in and being with like, obviously like Michelle Williams and Sam Rockwell for months on end. And, yeah. But so I do know what that is when it's kind of like that, like, okay, we're getting the wheels churning. Oh, it's kind of rolling. And it's like, <laughs> I totally do understand that on this. It was like, but that's why I'm saying we would blow it on the wide and then the crew would get so lit that we were all so lit about everything. <laughs> and then it was just like, it was like balls to the wall all day. And then Steven would be like, yes, the shot. Yes, the shot. Yes, the shot. <sighs> and like, just so like, cool. it was like, like it was cheers. Like when I say like, okay, we're moving on an entire room eruption. Oh, like, man. yeah. Oh, like, man. Oh, <laughs> it was man. like sports. It was like, and I don't know anything about sports, but I'm like, is this what football's like? <laughs> oh. is this, this is what sports are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it sounds like you had such a magical experience on that movie. Fuck. I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, there is, and that's and how could I go? And that's the thing. And to like <laughs> to make it about me for a second. Sure. I like fully. How could I? I can't unsee what I've seen. Yeah. And I am in a moment as an artist, as a human being. When I tell you, I table flipped my life. <laughs> like vulnerably, I table flipped my life after doing this because I couldn't. I couldn't unsee it. Yeah. I truly, I had been on Broadway for twelve years at this point. I literally, the day we wrapped, I was like, I'm leaving my Broadway show. Yep. And I still had however many months left on my contract on that. But I was like, my commit, like I'm getting out. And I love that show. Mulan Rouge is a, a work of art in New York. If anyone is interested in going and seeing a beautiful Broadway show, you know, Baz Luhrmann was involved in that. It's coming from the movie. It's beautiful. It's mm -hmm. stunning. Mm -hmm. I was so lucky to be a part of it. But after this, I was like, this is all I want to do for the rest of my life mm -hmm. is I want to, I want to, I want to work on tv i want to work on film i want to chase this passion i want to pour myself in like this i want to show up like this to my work i have a commitment to not become jaded i'm like i was so i've been in new york for 12 years i was like i'm i'm quitting broadway i'm moving to la i'm leaping i'm leaping i'm leaping i'm leaping i'm leaping and so, so it was cool. on a, such a personal level um inspiring like when you see in life and it's not lost on me and i'm very grateful for this when your wildest dream, when it's like right there in front of you every day, it's mm -hmm. not even like close. Like when I'm sitting there at lunch with Steven Spielberg across from me and you're like, I'm, and this is my first, it's like a, a like, not only is it like a kind of like insane rush of like, oh my God, I can do anything. <laughs> like, oh my God, it's also possible. Um, but it is, it's like all of a sudden you're like, it's all so possible, but yeah. it takes the, the leap of the leap, the trust, the risk. Um, you have to go and run and jump off the cliff. Yeah. 
to yeah. go do the thing. And, and that's what all of us have been required to do as artists. I'm sure in your life, in all of our lives, any of us doing this at any level of success, and I don't believe in making it. And I don't even, I barely believe in success because the moment you reach anything that you ever wanted, somehow then you want something bigger and even sure. more. So it's like, you know, there is no like, oh, wow, like I did it. And it's fun to see that even Steven feels that way. Yeah. Like, it's not like he's like, was like, well, I'm successful and I'm just going to go sit at home and uh, <laughs> do that. It's all, there's always something more to do. And so, um, I told, yeah, I totally table flipped everything. I left a, a decade long relationship. I left a 12 year relationship with Broadway, uh, with New York, with all of it. And I was like, I am going, I'm committing to, to risk and, trust and artistry and um it was just so informative you know many of us said that if no one ever saw the film it wouldn't even matter because it changed all of our lives so much (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it sounds like it it really does it sounds like that this was such a great eye-opening experience and sometimes you just need luckily you had it on such a creative level i mean i had a I almost like a longer story i almost died so my death experience really sort of changed everything for me and that really forced me to make my movies, which changed everything. And um, but you just need that, and it's it's crazy how much uh, fear and how how we can delay what it is that we want to do because the timing's not right, and this isn't perfect, and this mm-hmm. isn't. Sometimes you're right. Sometimes it just takes you just going, and eh, I'm just gonna jump. I'm just gonna fucking do this. Yeah. You know. And then like exactly like you're like a near death experience. Like you can't unsee that moment in your life, yeah. and it does. It informs everything after, yeah. and you do start asking yourself, "What am I waiting for?" So many of us, we're all, um, well, like I'm writing a thing, but I don't know. We're like, I want to do this one day, and it's like, well, one day might not be there. So today's the best day I've ever seen <laughs> to go after all the things that you want. Like, what the fuck do you have to? We are so afraid of failure. We are so afraid of rejection. We are so afraid of what if it doesn't work. But um, you know, I'm working. I'm a I'm working through the artist way Julia Cameron's book for the third time in my life right now. Mm-hmm. And um, a few weeks ago in week one, she talks about most people aren't successful even because they're talented or any other reason other than the simple fact that they had the audacity to do it. They had the audacity to try. They had the audacity to write the piece, to yeah. show up to that audition that day, to send the email, to ask the question. They just had the audacity. And that just sticks with me of like, we are all capable of so much and it is also possible, but we have to get out of our own way and we have to get a little bit more comfortable. And of course there's times in life where, um, this can feel easier or more difficult, but like fucking just go do it, go make the thing, make, take the risk, send the email, show up to the audition. Some like, you know, how many times in life, the older I get, it's like, some of my worst auditions where I was like, fuck me, that didn't even go great. I get that job, <laughs> you know? And then how many things I'm like, I'm so ready for this. Ooh, this is coming to me. And then I get cut right away. Yep. Like you never know. So just like show up, hold tight to your passions, hold tight to your dreams. You're going to hear no all the fucking time in your life, but like, you're going to survive. You'll live. I've heard no before. I'll hear no again, but all I can control is showing up and having the audacity each day to you know go after the art i want to make the human i want to be and like i think some real i think there's like a little recipe in there um that you see in people who are successful it pains me to do this but that is the perfect ending (laughs) (laughs) you say goodbye (laughs) you said we we found it yeah that is the perfect ending for the show um Thank you so much 
for joining me. This conversation has been beautiful. I love it. I love everything we talked about. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. My hand is truly on my heart right now. What an inspiring, um, what an inspiring, inspiring conversation. I'm smiling so big. Let's just take a minute. Let's just take a minute. Let's soak it up. Every once in a while, we do an episode, and I just feel really great about it. Like, really great. And I I don't want to discount any of the other shows or guests, but every once in a while, you just feel really good. Thank you for today's episode. Thank you for the folks that helped me book the show. I have to thank Gina for helping me book this show today and helping me with her contacts uh, to get access um, and a big shout out and a big thank you to Paloma like I swear to Christ her we we talked for a good fucking 40 minutes after we stopped recording this episode um, I dig her man and she's great go see West Side Story I don't know if it's still in theaters I think they're going to put it back out in the theaters for Oscar season go see it in the theater Uh, It's a spectacle. It's Spielberg spectacle. Yes, it's a musical. There are musical elements to it, but there's so much other stuff in there. So many great sequences, uh, great performances, really great performances. uh, And uh, Paloma kills in it. She's great. So uh, definitely check it out. And uh, to catch you up a little bit before I go... um, Life's been good. Been doing uh, more storyboards, storyboarding, storyboarding. It's my life. Been doing a lot of that stuff. Uh, booking a lot of guests on the show. I'm recording this, so all this I'm behind in the queue. So this will probably come out a bit later. But I'm recording this on the 26th. I just booked two chefs. So yes, we're coming back to food. Food's coming back in it. Uh, we got some chefs booked. We've got some uh, more actors booked on the show. Uh, I'm talking to some cinematographers. Um, so we're going to keep it going. And uh, I'm overdue. I got to sit down with you guys and just do a one on one, which would be fun. And uh, let's see what else is going on. Yeah, weather's getting better. Life is, you know, hopefully it's going to get back on track as we get through fucking January. It seems like everybody's getting their ass kicked by whatever this coronavirus bullshit has become. Um, We've gone through our own stages of it. And who knows whatever this fucking cough is. <coughs> I feel like it's leftovers. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully everything's going to, you know, come out fucking great in the back end. It will. It will. Um, let's see what else has been going on. It's been doing, uh, still doing therapy stuff, which is good, which has been healthy. Uh, helping me process through a lot of, uh, you know, the craziness that the industry puts on us emotionally, which is nice. It's nice to have that support. And uh, it's weird to say that. It's weird that I say that on air, that I have a therapist and I'm going to therapy. And I I, I feel like the more uh, macho version of myself, the East Coast version of myself, would be rolling its eyes at me and being like, of course you're in Los Angeles. Of course you have a fucking therapist now. Um, but it's interesting. It's it, It's like... 
It's like having a massage therapist, which is nice. It's like having someone that works on your brain. And uh, I thought, always used to think that getting a massage was a luxury. I always used to think that, uh, you know, that was something that uh, you would do on vacation, you know. Uh, but after years of doing camera work, after years of really sort of impacting, literally impacting my hip into my leg into my hip, um, with the camera work, I realized that it was a necessity and it was something that would start to get rid of that constant nagging pain, just that background irritant that just adds up over time. And uh, you just don't think about that stuff. I never did. I never thought about all like these emotional uh, beats that happen in your life that just sort of collect themselves. Uh, and, uh, next thing you know, you're just sort of pushing your way through a crowded closet of shit just to function. Um, so I don't know. It's interesting. So if you are someone out there that's sort of going through your shit and trying to process it, uh, definitely consider it, man. Definitely consider talking to somebody. Um, and there are plenty of options out there. I know a lot of folks are like therapy, super expensive, but if you're on healthcare, man, if you're on like California state healthcare, they offer it. So it is out there. It is available to folks. Um, and it's been good so far. So I'll let you know. I'll let you know if it changes me. I just don't want to be, you know, you, you read about all this shit, right? You read about like the Anthony Bourdain's, you read about all these folks that end up so depressed and so lost in the system. And you're like, how the fuck are you so upset? And how, like you, you've got everything. Like, how are you, why are you hanging yourself in a fucking closet? You know? Um, and it's because, you know, you're not addressing all the stuff that just sort of stacks up, you know, that stuff that's in the, in the history, the past that is shaping the way that you make decisions. You know, are you getting snippy? You get fucking irritated when you talk to folks? Yeah, there's a reason for that. You know, anyway, enough ranting, enough raving. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I sure as fuck did, uh, plenty more on the way. Uh, so you know the deal. Stick around. We'll be here next Tuesday. Thanks for listening.